This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's Monday, March the 6th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Microsoft has updated Windows 11 to include the AI-powered Bing search engine. Stephen Scott of Double Tap TV will tell you what that means exactly for you. And Ryan Van Praet will talk about his journey to spread the word on adaptive sports through an initiative called Join Me in 23. But the hour begins with the regional news update. Starting in British Columbia, at least two more avalanches came down in the Pemberton area this weekend, sending two people to hospital with serious injuries. Search and rescue manager Martin Buckheim says two separate groups were caught in separate avalanches, each with one member getting fully buried. Each person was dug out by their respective ski partners, but both suffered severe injuries requiring extraction by helicopter and transport to hospital. Over to the prairies, the province of Manitoba will be offering $10 a day daycare for residents by April the 2nd. Premier Heather Stevenson reflected on the importance of this policy. As a government, we recognize that access to affordable and high-quality childcare is essential for Manitobans to be able to participate in the workforce, support their family. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau stressed the importance of governments working together. Today is a great reminder of what we can do when we all work together to deliver for families and for folks in Manitoba and across the country. The federal government has committed $1.2 billion to Manitoba over the next five years to deliver the program. Reaching $10 a day is three years ahead of schedule from the province's original target to reach that fee. And then over to Ontario. Ontario The Ontario Ministry of Health studied what model of vaccine clinic was most efficient. Rob Westgate shares some of the results. The Ministry of Health study looked at nine different clinics in the last six months of 2021 with an eye to supporting possible future large-scale vaccine campaigns. The traditional drive-through and so-called circular hockey hub models all had different strengths and limitations, but the hockey hub clinic was able to vaccinate the highest number of people per staff member and clients spent the shortest amount of time there. Now the hockey hub model sees the client sit in one chair and has staff and volunteers come by to complete registration, medical screening, vaccination and observation time all in the same place. Rob Westgate, the Canadian Press. One of my clinics was that hockey hub model. It is pretty efficient and a lot more comfortable than being schlepped around from room to room to room. So interesting research being done there by the government. Need to offer a really important point of clarification about the last segment where Amy Manti was talking about the movie Woman Talking, which has been uh, nominated for a couple of Oscars. Yes, it was written by a Canadian author, Miriam Taves, but the story itself was actually based in Bolivia. The Manitoba tribe and colony was in Bolivia. So just important important clarification there about uh, that story in relation. Not necessarily a piece of Canadian history, a piece of Bolivian history, but the story written 
by a Canadian author. So thanks to our senior producer, Andrika Delanerol, who have flagged that important point of clarification. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. All right, Brock, all last week, you and I talked about the NHL trade deadline, the happenings as they were occurring in real time. Well, now you've had about a couple days to reflect on the whole thing. So let's talk about some winners and some losers and some overall stats. So, Brock, what's your big observation from the NHL trade deadline? So if we look at this from a uh, trade perspective, like by the numbers, we had 19 trades made. 34 players and 12 picks. That's kind of a low uh, trade deadline day. I think if we look at some of the big winners, I think the obvious winner is... Wait, Brock, Brock, um, Brock, I need to interrupt you already. That's just the Friday itself, though. Like, there have been so yes, many trades made in the weeks ahead of the trade deadline. Just, just on the deadline day itself, this, these are the numbers that we're looking at. There were way more than that overall, but just on the deadline itself, uh, those were the numbers. Okay, so yeah, winners, um, winners. We, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Brock, I'm interrupting you. My apologies. That is totally okay. Uh, the winner, winners of this one, I would say, obviously, the New York Rangers got significantly better with Patrick Kane. The Edmonton Oilers got better with uh, Matthias Ekholm, which is a really good situation for them. Those are my two sort of big winners, I would say. Obviously, Boston continued to get themselves better as they atop the Eastern Conference. The big losers for me, Dave, are the Vancouver Canucks not trading Brock Besser. I think that was a fail on the part of the Vancouver Canucks. And, of course, the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think they did enough particularly on defense, and I think they could have done slightly better than what they did. Yeah, the Jets side of the conversation is interesting because they did add Nino Niederreiter about a week ago to bolster their offense, but you're right. They didn't necessarily go out and give themselves that depth of defenseman, uh, especially as there were some players available there. But it seemed as the week moved along, Brock, a lot of the dance partners were going away and the asking prices were getting quite high for some of these defensemen. So I understand where it seemed like Winnipeg might have said, ah, we're a little bit leery, happy to be where we're at. They were also in the midst of a little bit of a losing streak going into the trade deadline so all of a sudden maybe some of that enthusiasm they had two weeks ago uh went away as the team was was going through a bit of a a, a bit of a fall down I, I want to pick up on your point about the vancouver canucks though because there were a few teams that were labeled as losers or boring at the deadline for not moving players so for example in vancouver brock besser jt miller in montreal joel edmonston being criticized for not moving him in all these cases these are players who continue to be under contract for these teams so it's not like they didn't move them and they're getting nothing in return. They're simply kicking the can down the road to the offseason or next year. Right. And that, that is true. That is, you know, within their right to do that. I would say, Dave, the other sort of weird team that I just never know what to make of them is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They seem to love to meddle in this middle ground of like, we're in it. We're not, we're not moving pieces. We're not gaining like, I, I don't know what to make of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but hey, they're in a wild card spot, so you never do know. But they're an interesting team in that they really didn't add, nor did they subtract too, too much at the, at the deadline and in and around the deadline itself.
Yeah, they brought in Nick Benino, who uh, was a part of their Stanley Cup winning team four years ago. Hasn't necessarily, or five years, six years ago now. Oh my gosh, the wheels on the calendar keep spinning so fast. Uh, but not exactly the kind of move that uh, that fills you with enthusiasm or joy if you're a big uh, big Penguins fan. Uh, Brock, I wanted to at least give a little bit of love here to the New Jersey Devils. I thought what they did was quite simple at the deadline. Just saying, let's add the best power forward available and stick them on our top six. And they've been scoring goals nonstop since making that trade to bring in Timu Meyer. So I think the Devils are one of these teams going into the playoffs that are going to be seen as inexperienced, and that may cost them, but they've done what they have to do to put themselves into a position to score a lot of goals and uh, maybe offset some goaltending that has been uh, overperforming expectations this year. So I think the Devils are still a team you want to keep an eye on. And the Carolina Hurricanes, Brock, that's a team that didn't do much at the deadline, but goodness gracious, did they give it to Tampa Bay yesterday, 6 nothing in an afternoon game. That's a statement game, if you ask me, about the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, it is against a Tampa Bay team that has real aspirations to do something big in in the playoffs as a, you know, Leaf fan through and through. I'm quite happy to watch Boston <laughs> or uh, Tampa Bay lose and continue to lose by, by significant fashion. But if you're a good team and, and you want to you want to do good things that was not a result you were hoping for yesterday afternoon by a long shot brock switching over to the world of baseball the toronto blue jays announced they'll be honoring uh jose jose bautista uh this summer what do they have in mind for the old slugger he is going to go on to the level of excellence which is their uh way of honoring players that have done you know good things in the organization and uh you know, that this is a good thing. I tried to get tickets yesterday. No mas on the ticket front. Uh, really tried as Jose Bautista is a guy who I really liked. He was uh, obviously monumental for the um, bat flip. And I think that when we look at the numbers uh, by him, we look at uh, 54 home runs uh, in 2022. He won the Hank Aaron Award, which is, a hitter, uh, the top hitter in each of the leagues, which is voted by the fans and the members of the media. That's kind of cool. Three-time Silver Slugger Award and six-time All-Star. Jose Bautista has been ar- around the Blue Jays, and all of those stats are just times while he's been with the uh, Blue Jays. So that's pretty cool in itself and good for him, and I will be watching it on television and very happy to see him get on the level of excellence definitely cool to see them honoring players from that generation the generation that seemed to bring baseball back to toronto he was a huge part of that him eddie incarnacion troy tulowitzki there were a lot of guys who were part of that team that were uh that were really really important to putting baseball back on the radar not just in toronto but across the country as well hey listen if they want to put uh, edwin incarnacion on the level of excellence i'm on board i would like to see uh, a little parrot on attached to the level of excellence as he was synonymous for the uh, trotter on the bases holding the uh, <sighs> invisible parrot on his on his arm and I think that would be cool but yes that generation of players really brought us back into the winning conversation didn't get it done as we hoped they would in 15 and 16 but they definitely put the Toronto Blue Jays back on the map where they belong. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Brock, uh, we'll say goodbye to you for today, but I'm going to make you talk about baseball again tomorrow. You know why? Because the World Baseball Classic kicks off right in the middle of spring training. So lots of exciting stuff going on in the world of baseball. Yes, good times. All righty, Brock, have a great day.
You as well. That is Brock Richardson. He is the host of The Neutral Zone. Alex Smythe is at the AMI Weather Desk. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to start off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where there's a mix of sun and clouds today, and there's also wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is one degree, but with that wind chill, it makes it feel like minus 17. In Charlottetown, PEI, there's snow throughout the day today, and there's going to be up to five centimeters expected. There's also wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour as well. The high is minus one, feeling like minus 11. In St. John, New Brunswick, there's snow throughout the day with up to five centimeters expected there. There's wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is zero degrees, feeling like minus nine. In Quebec City, Quebec, there is, it's cloudy with light snow starting in the afternoon. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is zero, but with the wind chill, makes it feel like minus nine. In Toronto, Ontario today, it's a mix of sun and clouds. And the high is two degrees, but feeling like minus five with that wind chill. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's mainly cloudy with a chance for snow. The high is one, feeling like minus eight. In Brandon, Manitoba, it is sunny, but the high is minus 11, feeling more like minus 30. In Regina, Saskatchewan, similar conditions. Sunny, a high of minus 11, but feeling like minus 28 with that wind chill. In Lethbridge, Alberta, there's periods of light snow, the high is minus six, and the wind chill makes it feel like minus 21. In Red Deer, Alberta, there's periods of light snow today, the high is minus 12, and the wind chill makes it feel like minus 25. To Whitehorse, Yukon, where it's clouds increasing throughout the day, and there's also periods of light snow starting in the afternoon, the high is minus 12, but with that wind chill makes it feel more like minus 25. And then to Kelowna, BC, where it's a mix of sun and clouds today and a high of five degrees. And finally, in Vancouver, BC, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of rain or snow in the morning, but then clearing up in the afternoon, and the high is nine degrees. That's our AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Microsoft has updated Windows 11 to include the AI-powered Bing search engine. Stephen Scott will tell you what that means exactly for you. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Lots of changes are brewing at Microsoft. So Stephen Scott of Double Tap TV is checking in with an update. Of course, you can find Double Tap TV Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Stephen. I always like talking about Microsoft stuff, especially when... It can get a little bit different over here, beginning with an app that I'm not super familiar with, the Microsoft Phone Link app. It's now at a point where a user can connect their device to a Windows laptop or a PC, but this is for iPhone users. So what does this actually mean for a user? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, Dave. When I first heard about this app and I realized it was for Android users, I couldn't care less. <laughs> but now, obviously, it's for iPhone users. I'm loving it. Uh, so, look, basically, this is an application that's been on your computer for a long time, and a lot of people probably don't even know it's there. 
Uh, and it's interesting because it's, it's built into every computer, although some specific manufacturers like Dell have made their own version of this application for some time. So you might find a different version of it. But on standard Windows PCs, if you buy, say, a Microsoft Surface or a Lenovo or that kind of machine, then you're going to find in your Windows installation that you just open up your search start menu and type in phone link and up comes this app. And it lets you connect initially anyway an Android phone, which allows you to text make calls from uh, and even send uh, messages from your device so you could text from your computer. Now this is kind of similar to what Apple users have had for a long time with iMessage using a Mac Mm -hmm. because you can text and call from a Mac using FaceTime and iMessage and for a lot of us, you know, who are Windows users like me, having the ability to be able to do the same, you know, essentially just use one device for everything is, is kind of the holy grail. So for me, this is brilliant because, it, and it's not out yet, it's out for a select number of people who are on the Windows Insider preview, which basically means you've signed up to all the early releases. <laughs> but if you're just on the regular like me, you won't get this for a little while. It might come out in a few months' time. But this will allow you to be able to connect your iPhone up to your computer. Now, it gives you limited functionality but you can text, you can make calls with this. You're not able to share pictures or join group chats on it yet. I think those limitations are likely being set by Apple, if I'm honest. Uh, But, you know, the good news is that it does make your uh, device more functional with your PC. So it means, you you know, if somebody's blind, this is perfect. As long as this is all accessible, this is the big thing. How accessible is all of this, right? Yeah, like like that's an important question and speculation here, that if you have all these great accessibility settings on your phone, but then you carry it over to a PC interface and that all goes away, then, like, what's the point yeah i mean i must admit though this is great for a lot of people who use iphones for work yes because and even android phones for work as well to be fair because it's the same application despite what device you're using but the great thing here is if you're able to do this you know yourself right i'm sure you've had this in offices over the years where they bring in these new phone systems and they say hey it's great it's wonderful you can call anyone in the office any time you can do internal calls and none of it's accessible and then they say well there's a software solution and that's even less accessible well imagine if you can do all this through your iphone or through your android phone so for workplaces this could be good and that's certainly i guess where this is always aimed at microsoft always tend to think business first and quite right because lots of us use pcs in the office yeah but at home this could be usable as well yeah, it is nice to think about, as you point out, the sort of one-stop shop nature of this, that you get into work in the morning, you link up your phone, and now you don't have 17 different devices buzzing all around you to try and do anything. That said, I don't think I'd link up my personal phone to my work computer. I think we'll keep those two things separate. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's interesting you say the phone's buzzing and whatever. You know, for those of us using voiceover or using assistive tech, that's just more voices in our ears. I used to have, I remember at one time, having an earpiece, a headset, and another headset on top of that, one for each ear, <laughs> oh with gosh. all these different devices firing audio into them. And it's no wonder my brain, quite frankly, has melted over the years. Because there's just two, I, I, I'm struggling with the three voices from the computers and the ones already in my head. Yeah, that's right. So Our know, own, our, own fr- our, our friends that keep us company when we don't have headphones on exactly that's right and they, they, no one can get a word in edgeways it's like a conversation with me <laughs> so you know for that reason you know this is a really cool thing because it brings it all into one device accessibility to be tested mm-hmm. but it is a microsoft product 
I would be very surprised if that hasn't been thought That's about. right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Stephen, the other big news out of Microsoft is that it's adding the Bing AI search engine to its latest update for Windows 11. Uh, Stephen, I, you have to forgive me. I don't really understand what that means. Like I, like, I know what those words mean, but I don't know what it means to add the Bing AI search engine to Windows 11. Like, it, Bing AI search engine, I use that in Microsoft Edge in the web browser. Yeah, and, and basically what they've done here, Dave, and you know what, you're not alone in this. This is very new technology, and I think for a lot of people, they hear phrases like chat GPT and Bing AI and all this stuff, and I don't think most people know what on earth anyone is talking about. And I think they just think, hang on, how... how does it change the way I use my computer? The truthful answer is it doesn't. This is just a newer way to search. It's an improved way of searching. And that's the way to think about this. Now, by building it into the system, that's no great surprise. Bing is part of Microsoft Edge, which is a Microsoft service. So they're going to build my favorite, My favorite web system. browser. Is it your favorite oh, web browser? Oh, it is. It is. Wow. Well, you know, I have to say these days, there was a time when I didn't really look upon much with, with Edge with, with joy, but... I have to say, with features like Read Aloud and Immersive Reader and, and such, you know, great accessibility features like that, I think this is actually a really good browser these days. So I'm with you on this. But here's the thing. Bringing in that search capability, and, and think about it as two parts. You've got Edge, which is the browser. So that's the application you open up. And then when you search online, you can use Google or you could use Bing as a search engine, a way to search for what you're looking for. And what these search engines are doing now is trying to become more intelligent. And, they're, and Microsoft has spent you know, $10 billion trying to make theirs more uh, intelligent. And it seems to be winning the race so far. Google have brought out their project. We'll see how that goes, but it's still in very early days. Uh, but Microsoft bringing out theirs. And this is a new version of search. So what does that mean? That means if I'm searching for something, if I say, hey, you know what, I've got, you know, I've got pasta, I've got tomatoes, uh, I've got you know, milk in the fridge, uh, what can I make for dinner tonight? You know, it will go off and it will tell you, but it won't give you a thousand results. It will give you an answer to that question and it will use sources in that to help you get the right answer. So instead of saying, here's five million results with, you know, here's a good food guide or here's whatever, and here's, you know, a thousand recipes to go and search, it will try and give you an exact answer to what you're looking for. That's the difference with the search as it goes forward. Mm. We're going to get more intelligent search. And in a way, it should make all our lives easier. You know, when Google came along, we didn't have to remember anything. But with this new AI, I feel we don't even have to do anything anymore, yeah. remember yeah. anything either. But, but Steve, okay, Stephen, you, you have to forgive me here. Again, you have to understand, you're always talking to someone who's like technologically somewhat literate here, but also uh, not exactly a technology genius here. When we're talking about what you're describing, I don't see what Windows 11 has to do with any of that. I can do that inside a browser yeah. right now. Yeah, so what they're doing with this is instead of just making it part of Edge, although Edge is very much the browser of choice, they're trying to make us focus on using Microsoft tools. And the way to do that is to build it into the operating system as well. So oh, yes, I you see. do have okay. the Edge browser. You can do it all through the browser. Nothing's changed there. But what they've also done is they're trying to make the operating system compliant with that, meaning that if you use the start menu, you know, we all hit the Windows key mm -hmm, on our computer mm -hmm. in the morning to get something, Outlook or whatever, you can also put your search query in there and get the response that way. Okay, well. okay. So it's kind of building it in, in, integrating it in. And again, that means you're using Microsoft services. You see where this is going? Right. They're trying and to push I, us all to use the one thing. Get into the universe. Get into the universe yeah. and keep you in the universe. Okay, I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling you here, Stephen. Here's my next question to you. As you say, uh, ChatGPT, Bing AI, all these things, 
things are flying around as mega news stories. What's not really a news story is that you can no longer get into ChatGPT if you want to use it. The waiting list is super long. It's the same thing with the Bing AI chat. If you want to try to get in now, Microsoft's saying, well, send us an email. We'll get back to you and maybe give you access to this thing. I'm curious what your experience has been with some of this uh, Bing AI. Have you had an opportunity to put your fingertips on it yet? Do you know, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest here, Dave. I'm not as excited about this as some are. I mean, and I think it's partly because I'm not the geek that some people think I am. Um, I think that for me, it's one of these things. I, I try to think about what the practical use cases for, you know, you and I are. I'm not yeah, really thinking yeah. about from a programming point of view or from, you know, oh, you can write a new app in a minute. Well, that's great, but I'm not going to do that. So how does this impact my life? And the, the, the reactions and the things I'm seeing, the tools or the applications I can see this being useful for are simple things like writing an email or writing a report. You know, I've sometimes had to write summaries and a good example of that would be the podcast, right? So you have to write a podcast description. So if I can put into this system, if I can go into ChatGPT and at the base level just say, today we talked about A, B and C. Uh, can you turn this into something that sounds better than just today we talked about A, B and C? <laughs> and it will go off and it will write you a, you know, a full description. You can say, look, write this in six paragraphs or, you know, make sure you include that, you know, AMI is the, the world's number one broadcaster. And, you know, it will do that. It will build all that into lovely sentence structure, all punctuated properly. And I know friends of mine who are using this to write emails now because, like me, I'm not the greatest email writer. And I don't know if you, about you sometimes, Dave, but, you know, it's that way you think in your head, you know you want to write all this stuff, but how do I write it? What am I trying to say? Nah, minor, work, can... minor, minor work of art. Minor, minor oh, well, in that case, you're, yeah, you don't great, need this then. Yeah, you're, you're sorted. Can I send all my email ideas to you then? Oh, I'll be your personal assistant. Excellent. That's brilliant. That's it. So, well, there we go. Problem solved. We don't need it. In fact, do you know what? If Microsoft are listening, send back the $10 billion because you've got Dave. <laughs> no, but send the $10 billion to me first. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Chat GPT. Last week it was sponsorship for KFC or whatever it was. This year, this week it's give us $10 billion. Thinking uh, big. But no, seriously, you know, this is a great way for us to be able to... And, and the way Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, put it was this is the first draft technology. So if you're writing a report, you're writing a story, you're writing something, you just need to get into it. In my years as a journalist, I remember just the first line was the hardest. And if you can get a yeah. bit of support with that, then that gets you going. So for a lot of people, that's going to be what this is for. This is going to be writing that email, writing that report, writing those things. But also, it's going to be just a great way of taking ideas and having them turned into something if you're not a writer. And I'm not. I'm not a writer. I'm not someone who will sit down and write. I mean, I, I used to, I tried a blog once, did, just didn't do it for me. I talk for a living. I'm much better at talking. So, you know, I'll do that. But if it can take what I say and turn it into something, like, for example, if I upload a transcript of my, or uh, an audio uh, clip of my show, then I can ask it to summarize that. It will. It will give me a full summary. Very intelligent. And, um, that's a, a practical application I can see. I, you know, Marco Flalo, my co-host on Double Tap TV, he is always jumping up and down about all the wonderful programming things it can do. If you're a geek, that's great. But for the rest of us, there are practical applications for this. And I think we're still early on. Yeah. Still, I, I have to say, I, I do raise some concerns already about the sourcing of the information. How accurate is this? You know, where it's getting all the information from. We, you've seen the stories, I'm sure, about the generative AI that's creating images of people with, you know, six fingers and, you know, two heads because it's it's kind of building images but not really based on any kind of real context of who a person is. It's just building an image. So if I say build a picture of me and Dave sitting next to each other in the pub one night, that's all well and good. But if it gives Dave two heads, 
you know, no well, bigger than the one he's already got, obviously. Yeah, it's my ego, um, it's my ego and my superego. Exactly, that's right. So, a long way to go, I think. Stephen, thank you for this. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Have a great day. And uh, I got an alert this morning, my weather alert on my Echo, telling me it's going to snow here. So I'm feeling you. Oh, okay. All right. Got a little snow in Stephen's life as well. Snow everywhere, even for our friends in Scotland. That's Stephen Scott. (laughs) He's one of the hosts of Double Tap, talking to you from Glasgow, Scotland. Hey, talking about AMI programming, of course, Stephen's one of the hosts of Double Tap TV. The new season of AMI's By Hook or By Cook is in production and the show is going to be filming two episodes in Calgary on Friday March the 17th and there's an opportunity for you to be involved as a member of the studio audience so what do you get if you get to be part of the studio audience one you get to enjoy the show two you get refreshments three you get a meet and greet with Bruce Cook and a few of the other cast members plus a gift bag valued at $75 One more added bonus, although some of you might think of it as a bit of a detraction. I'm going to be hosting these two episodes, so I'll be there in person as well. So we're going to have a ton of fun on Friday, March the 17th. Still a few spots available. I know they're filling up fast here, though. So for more information and to reserve your spot, email info at ami.ca. That's info at ami.ca. Again, Calgary, March the 17th, Friday, live taping of By Hook or By Cook. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe has a question about commercials. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You just heard a couple of commercials. Well, Alex Smythe has commercials on his brain as well. Yeah, Dave. So uh, this weekend I was I was watching the, the hockey game, the first one I've caught in a while. And uh, there was a couple commercials that kind of uh, piqued my interest. Like there were just two phenomenal uh, commercials I had not seen before. So I, I did some investigating. One was an iPhone commercial featuring... Uh, P.K. Subban and Joe Thornton, both uh, great uh, hockey players in their own right, and they were out on an ice rink at night, like searching for a, a missing tooth. It's it's hilarious. It's short. It's only about thirty seconds, but it's to promote iPhones' long uh, camera and and battery life. And then the other one was a, a commercial about uh, I, I can't remember the brand offhand, but it was all about talking about day traders. Uh, claiming each other are rock stars and they had a bunch of actual rock stars in there saying they're not rock stars we're rock stars so you had paul stanley ozzy osbourne joan jett you know you had all these <laughs> these famous it's it's hilarious you you have to just search rock star commercial it'll come up for you so it kind of got me thinking it's like okay I, I i knew these commercials had to be from the super bowl i didn't get to see them during the super bowl because of how the the broadcasting rights it's very muddy in terms of where commercials get uh, get uh, shown but they stuck with me instantly. They became two of my favorite commercials in the last few years. So I wanted to ask uh, everyone around the table, like, what makes a good commercial and what makes a commercial successful in your mind? So, Nisreen, why don't we start with you? 
I would have to say, because I learned this in school, like I learned how to write commercials mm -hmm. in school. And I think the best way to get people listening is a funny commercial or uh, a tune that, you know, you you can remember like nine, six, seven, eleven, eleven. Come to pizza, pizza. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we all remember that. Call so 1 800 like, 267 2001. Yeah, anything catches. Exactly. <laughs> Anything catchy will will stick in your brain. Even if you don't connect to the commercial, you'll you'll just remember the the tune right away. Or if it's a funny commercial, you'll remember it for a while. So I, I remember so many commercials back then. Gotta love the Dagwood sandwich. It's the sauce. It's the place. <laughs> it's the Dagwood's taste. F R E E. That spells free. Creditreport.com, baby. Uh, Ramya, uh, I'm gonna keep singing jingles in my own head. Proof, but what makes proof. for what makes for a good commercial for you? Please keep singing out loud because I haven't heard of half of these. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> I'm going to have to keep it simple. And I think of, well, for radio, it's much easier to just know that it's going to be accessible. But when I think of TV, there's uh, like commercials that I still have no clue what the commercial mm -hmm. was about. Too much text because... on screen, not enough voiceover. It's, it's It was, I don't know if it still is, but it was a trend for a while to have nobody say anything. It's just music and visuals and text, and I have no clue. Like, Apple's commercials were really fun when they had, you know, the the uh, people, the silhouettes hi, dancing. With I'm the a, hi, oh, the, oh, the, I was going to say, hi, I'm a Mac. Hi, I'm a PC. Oh, no, I don't remember that one. But you know the ones where they're dancing to, like, um with earphones in there. Yeah. I think it's the AirPod mm. commercials. Those ones were fun, but I promise you forever, I had no clue what those commercials were about. I just liked the songs. And just like <laughs> and perfume commercials. Yeah. Three, nothing yeah, like to do with perfume. Three, <laughs> now. Three, four, three, zero, three, four, three. Three, four, three, zero, three, four, three. He's double pizza. Double, double pizza. Oh, is that the okay? But well, that, that's yeah. a, that's a Montreal commercial. All my, as all long my commercials as, uh, are Montreal okay. piece commercials. Dave, as long as you don't do one eight seven seven, and then I won't continue the rest of it because that's one of the worst commercials of all time that gets in, stuck in your ear. <laughs> Wait, is that the? Car? I, I don't want to finish is, it. Is that the Car for Kids commercial? Yes, it is. One eight seven seven Car okay, for well, Kids. K A R S Cars for Kids. Oh my Sorry, God. Sadly, I remember that through a <laughs> South Park episode. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> the thing is, though, I. Now just have pet peeves about commercials because, you know, mm -hmm. ads on everything and add media players all over your inaccessible media players all over your um, Internet searches and things like that. So I'm, I'm just not loving commercials these days. See, I like commercials. I am someone who actually enjoys watching television or listening to the radio for the commercials, because as Nazreen points out, there's an art form to this. In radio, mm -hmm. the rule is you got to mention the product three times in 30 seconds. Yes. One thought per sentence, product three times in 30 seconds that's how you do it that's how you do good advertising tv they yeah. cheat because they use a lot of visuals along yeah. the lines but in theory it would still be good practice to mention something three different times to to make it work but what makes for a great commercial is just what alex described off the top which is you have to differentiate yourself you can't just make the same thing over and over and over again in the case of that joe, joe thornton pk suban commercial i haven't seen it yet but i can tell yeah. you i would enjoy it it's funny oh, yeah. the, the geico commercials about the hockey playing walrus i will never forget that commercial because it's amazing and i'll never forget the good folks at uh, guy 
Geico. Actually, it might have been progressive now that I think about it. But you know what? Irrelevant. There was a walrus playing hockey. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. I'll watch that commercial on YouTube. Now, whether you want to make a commercial that's funny or sad, that's up to you. But ultimately, what you have to do is connect with the human mind and mm -hmm. share, come, share some kind of experience. There's actually a huge psychology to effective ad campaigns, and it's typically about making you feel, whether that's sadness, happiness, or anywhere in between, you're trying to associate the brand with a feeling that then's going to lead to action. Not sure if you guys remember a Coca-Cola commercial from the late 90s, but it was all about four kids taking the subway home from their first concert. And it was a reflection as an adult thinking back on a time, drinking a bottle of Coca-Cola on the train, coming home from a concert and feeling infinite. We'll never ever forget that commercial because it speaks to a shared human experience. Alex, I, as always, monopolized your conversation. To your mind, what makes for a good commercial? Yeah, I think everyone's kind of nailed it. You know, it, it has to be, uh, it has to hit on emotion. It has to make you want to connect to whatever the brand or whatever they're trying to sell. It has to be memorable, whether if it's an, a radio commercial, it has to have those jingles really help. They stick in your head. There has to be the, I guess, the punchiness, the, the concise nature of the the messaging. You know, if it gets too convoluted or too out there, you, you get lost in the messaging. Nick, the fact you've, you, you've only you got 30 seconds. Down. You've only got 30 yeah. seconds. Or, or a minute if you really want to go on a big... A uh, big commercial, but you you nailed it. It's like reference it three times. You know, repeat repetition, simple language, just like bombard you with simple ideas. I think that really what resonates when I think of like back, especially when it comes to like Super Bowl commercials, because they were always that's like you know the Super Bowl of commercials is the Super Bowl. Go figure. But you know, you, there was a period of time where you got these commercials that they really got so over you know over the top and and the message and what they were selling was just so bizarre and lost that it, it failed to resonate just like oh this is weird i don't understand this anymore whereas like some of the ones you mentioned like i had completely forgotten about the pc versus mac commercials they aired for years and they were so effective and they were so simple it was two people representing the two biggest computer companies in the world talking about the pros and cons to them and, you know, it sticks with you. It resonates because that was the conversation at the time. So I think if you can tap into something like that, that's really what creates a long-lasting legacy. Okay, real quick here, guys. Best commercial of all time, Nizreen. I have to say it's an old Super Bowl uh, commercial of Doritos where a guy comes uh, to a girl's house for a date and her son was there and he picks up a Dorito and then he slaps the guy and was like, don't touch my mama and don't touch my Dorito. So okay. that, was, that was pretty funny. Okay, it's good. <laughs> Alex, best commercial of all time. I, I, I love the uh, Mayhem uh, commercials that you see that they've, they've been running for for years. Where it's, just, I, uh, it's the same actor portraying all these different uh, per, uh, personalities. It's all to sell insurance. It, it, they're great. They're funny. Uh, I'm Mayhem. And if you have cut rate insurance, it won't cover an accident like this. Uh, Ramya, best commercial of all time? I don't have a best commercial of all time. But the one I remember as a kid is the one for uh, Nesquik Cereal. I think that's the one with the tiger. Don't ask me about the visuals. It's just catchy too. Wait, isn't that Tony the tiger? Maybe. That's Frosted know. Flakes. It They're is. great. <laughs> no, then I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about Nesquik, but I don't know what the uh, 
symbolism was. Okay. I think the greatest commercial was the Gap commercial from the late 90s that brought swing back with the Brian Setzer Orchestra selling khakis, getting a bunch <laughs> of white people dancing and wearing khakis. That's what that's what TV's <laughs> missing these days, dancing white people. Uh, Alex, thank you for this. Nazreen, thank you. Ramia, you don't get to go away just yet because you get to tell me the thing you're most excited about on Kelly and Ramia coming our way today, 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. Okay, on our CNIB Smart Life check-in of the month, we're checking in with uh, David Epstein, and he's the creator of the all-terrain cane. If you haven't checked out this yet, it's a new trending white cane out there for people uh, who want to go hiking and go down, you know, really rough paths. So we're going to talk more about this invention. Meldrum, the mover, there's no better mover. They pack it, they ship it, they unpack and pack it up again. Meldrum, the mover, there's no better mover. Wow, that was uh, great. I, I, like, I like jingles. Uh, Ramya, thank you for this. Thank you. <laughs> That's Ramya Amuthan, the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, coming your way at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Coming up next, Ryan Van Praets will describe his journey to spread the word on making sports more adaptive through an initiative called Join Me in 23. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Here's a cliche for you. Fortune favors the bold. Put that a different way. If you try new things, you can have incredible experiences. So what's stopping you from trying new things? Accessibility barriers? Attitudinal barriers? Well, Ryan Van Praet is trying to rip off some of those band-aids. Ryan is going on an adventure this year called Join Me in 23. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Good morning. So, Ryan, you're an athlete. You, you and I like talking about fitness and all things included under that umbrella. What's the idea behind Join Me in 23? Yeah, it's actually a combination of my sort of everyday activities and sort of my day job. So, um, for those that don't, that don't know, I'm the provincial lead for sports for the CNIB. And really, my day job is to help people do just what you mentioned, rip off that Band-Aid and try something new. Uh, I like to think that you know, life is best lived outside of your comfort zone. And uh, a lot of the greatest things I've ever uh, encountered were just because of that. You know, I did the scary thing and and reaped the reward. So join me in 23, you know, really is about leading by example. Um, I, you know, I never want to be a hypocrite. And so if I'm telling people to get out there and try new things, I can't just always do the things I love, like my triathlon and golf and stuff like that. So I want to utilize my role uh, around the province to to go around the province and try some activities that I've never tried. And then if people are in that area, uh, come on out, uh, join me. Let's let's see, let's have some laughs at my expense. And I'm good with that. <laughs> um, but you know, I want to show you how essentially how you can try new things, um, how you can um, advocate in your local community and how you just have those conversations and and jump into that everyday community uh, world that that surrounds you. And I guess the last piece to that is, you know, it's really thinking about those folks that don't live in the big city centers, that don't mm. have those established groups, right? What if you live, I used Owen Sound because I lived in Owen Sound at one point. What if you live in Owen Sound and there's not a specific uh, group that, you know, you can jump into? Well, there's probably a community sports group that you can jump into. So how do I help you 
help yourself to uh, be included in that activity. So uh, yeah, so you can have have a good time. Yeah, like there might not be a blind curling program or a seven on seven uh, or five on five aside soccer program in places like Owen Sound. So how do you encourage people to get involved with these community organizations? It makes a ton of sense. Ryan, here's the question though. You said you're willing to get out of your comfort zone, maybe even embarrass yourself a little bit. Are there any sports that you're a little nervous about trying? So I've been talked into attempting wakeboarding uh, up at Lake Joe. Um, I'm not a water sports kind of guy. Maybe later in the year, I might get talked into doing skiing. So believe it or not, uh, I've never skied in any oh, wow. way, shape, or form. Yeah, being in southwestern Ontario, don't hate <laughs> me. We have no, no snow on the ground right now. Not a lot of hills. No, not hills, no snow. Uh, so skiing, maybe, uh, you know, I'm adventurous, but, you know, like you and I, Dave, we're getting older, so I don't want to hurt myself either. So there's that's kind of my only uh, line in the sand is, you know, I'm probably not going to do skateboarding. I'll leave that up to maybe a younger, more uh, uh, aspiring colleague. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just want to try different things. Um, I love sport. I love learning a skill, um, you know, so it really is just about learning a new sport, trying to see if I'm still coordinated stuff like that. Ryan, you studied kinesiology. You've been working in adaptive sport for some time. Why do you enjoy bridging some of those gaps between what I'm going to call traditional sport and parasport? Yeah, well, I've lived all sides of the label. I was a quote-unquote sighted athlete, a quote-unquote blind athlete, a para-athlete, an age group athlete, a male athlete. So, you know, to me, I really want to try to take those labels away and just, you know, focus on sport is sport. Uh, you know, you look at the game of golf. Yes, there's golf, there's blind golf, but really it's golf. What do you need mm -hmm. to do to mm -hmm. play golf? Hit a ball with a club face pointed in a direction with certain club speed, right? And I just want people to understand that, you know, remove the label and think of the sport as the sport um, and develop those skills. And then the variations or adaptations come afterwards. And, th and they're often easier than most people think. As someone who's legally blind who enjoys golfing, uh, yes, it's certainly the same exact sport, but uh, your guide definitely matters. And I wonder at what point that might actually become part of the conversation is just helping a lot of people naturally in a foursome be guides. Like they don't need to be trained guides for a golfer who's legally blind, just to say, yeah. hey guys, put down the cigarette and the beer for a second and watch where Dave hits the ball. Because I assure you, it's not going far. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah, But that's exactly it, right? It's not, there's no fancy trick. There's no um, specific requirements. It's it's that extra set of eyes. And as long as somebody can see the ball better than me, then there's a better chance we're going to find it. Um, and really, that's what it is. It's having a willing person. You could have a five-year-old who is willing to be patient enough to watch your ball and point in the general direction, boom, there you go, right? It, it really is forming a team um, and a partnership. And, and honestly, that's where a lot of the joy comes from is making those new friends and um, creating those new connections. Ryan, this conversation could actually go a lot uh, bigger and broader, but unfortunately I spent too much time singing jingles in the last oh segment. Gosh, yeah. I say we pick up on this again in about four weeks' time when you join the show again. However, yeah. in the meantime, in sort of 25 or 30 seconds or less, yeah. how can people get involved with this journey and maybe even participate with you? Yeah, so uh, my email is just ryan.vanprate at cnib.ca. Uh, you can follow me on CNIB's Facebook pages. We have CNIB Ontario uh, Sports and Rec. Um, 
yeah, just track me down through CNIB or I'm sure if they track you down, you can pass along my info. But yeah, we're going to travel the province. So join me. There's a lot of things upcoming. So ryan.vanprate at cnib.ca. And just for folks who are curious, Prate is spelled P-R-A-E-T. For excited viewers, not a problem. But if somebody's at home, uh, they would have to pick that up. Also, blog after the show, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Ryan, I'm sorry that I had to rush you today, but we'll pick up again, we'll pick up again on this in a couple of weeks. Yeah, choose your sport, Dave. we got to get out there with you, too. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll go downhill skiing together. That could be fun. Oh, man, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> my, my Achilles might explode, though. Ryan, have a great day. That's Ryan Van Prate. That's all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry. We're back again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.